Hey everyone, it's Dave. Just want to leave a quick note before we start this week's podcast. The thing is, I am dumb, and accidentally recorded part one of this week's podcast on my MacBook microphone instead of the nice, fancy, expensive microphones that we normally use to record. So the sound for the first part of the podcast this week is a little janky. Uh, If you can stick it out, it is a problem that gets fixed by the time we come back for part two, and hopefully it isn't that big a problem. But if it is, apologies, and it will never happen again. And that's it. Uh, Good podcast this week with my friend Faith watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. So hope you enjoy. And let's get it started. This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. And today, I'm joined by my friend Faith, and we're going to be discussing a movie that she's never seen before, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Faith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. So, you've never seen Raiders. I have never seen Indiana Jones. Have you seen any of them? I have not seen any Indiana Jones movies. In fact, uh, I'm not sure that I can distinguish which titles they are, the other ones. I believe Temple of Doom might also be a movie. That's one of them. Uh, if there is a third one, there's a third one, then I do not know what it is. And I believe there may have been a fourth one a few years ago. Yep. Okay. I do also don't know what that is. No theories on what the titles might be. So Temple of Doom, I guess, um, Indiana Jones and the unfortunate incident. He does get up to a lot of uh, mishaps and misadventures. Indiana Jones and uh, the Snake's Revenge. Well, there are snakes. Yeah. All right, that's my guess. All right. Well, all right, so I guess the first question I have is, why? I think that I have a lot of holes in my movie-watching history. I do like movies quite a lot. I have seen many films, but I think a large hole of movies that I have not seen are 80s blockbusters. Okay. But it wasn't like you were deliberately avoiding the film. No. In fact, a lot of films that are really famous, uh, I've seen maybe the first 10 or 15 minutes of them. And I know I have seen 10 or 15 minutes of the first 10 or 15 minutes of an Indiana Jones movie, but I don't know which one it was. What happened? He was um, a college professor. Okay. So his job 
is already, I know what he does for a living. I believe he's an archaeology professor. That's right. And he was delivering a lecture. All right, so that's, you know, that's in one of the movies. Yes. I won't give away which one. Oh, yeah, please, no spoilers. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, like what his job might be. Yeah. But, um, okay, so it kind of, so it just sort of fell through the cracks then? I mean, it fell through the cracks in the sense that I just have not seen a lot of really famous movies from the 80s. I don't believe, I know some of them from the 70s. I have never seen Jaws. Hmm. I have never seen Terminator. I have never seen all the way through Back to the Future, one or two, and I have never seen Star Wars. Any of them. Okay, I have seen the first Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, but I was very young at the time. Interesting. Um, Also, are you aware that there are three Back to the Future films? Uh, I was not, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I'll take it that you haven't seen the third one of those, too. Yes, no, yeah. I have seen the third. No, just oh, kidding, yeah. I have not. I just forgot all about it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, do people give you shit for this? Like, do people make fun of you for not having seen Indiana Jones? Um, I don't know if I've ever shared this information with anyone. Perhaps I was too ashamed. Yeah, you were afraid. Yeah. And it's interesting because I do really like uh, Harrison Ford from that era. I think it's sure. prime Harrison Ford attractive- attractiveness era. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but no, I don't believe I've ever told anybody and thus, you know, have not had to endure the ridicule and the humiliation that comes with having this block in my life. That's a shame Mm because you really deserve it. But you are also correct. Harrison Ford is an incredibly attractive man, especially in this era. Yeah, I'm very excited. Although, I mean, personally, I'm more of a Han Solo guy. I hear that. I've seen pictures from that era and he's very good looking. Yeah. And also, I mean... Smoldering, I would say. Oh, he smolders. So I'm interested because I think of um, Harrison Ford as the strong and silent type. I want to know, mm. does he talk a lot in this movie? Does he have quips? Is he funny? Because I think, like, he's a funny guy, right? Sure. So, yeah, I'm interested to see if, like, I, I associate what a whatever 80 movie, 80s blockbuster movies I have seen, I associate them with having good jokes. So mm. I'm hoping that there's um, a lively script. Yeah. But you think it's possible he might play it really straight and just be kind of like a glowering action hero. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I know he does stuff with, like, ropes. He's like a lasso expert. Hmm. I believe. I believe I've Well, he does. That. he does have an item that he uses. You think it's a lasso? Uh, I know his hat is a big thing. There's the does hat. Does he use yeah. it like a boomerang or something? Uh... I don't want to give it away. All right. Yeah, I don't want to be surprised. Again, please, no spoilers. I don't even want to know if he has a hat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I won't say one way or the other. I've heard... Um, I'm very familiar with some of the... Not very familiar. But I'm familiar with some of the iconic images from the movie. That rolling boulder uh-huh. that happens. I don't know if it's in this movie or a subsequent uh, sequel. Are there Nazis? In this movie. I have a lot of questions, basically. All right. Well, before I answer that, I have a question for you, Hmm. which is, so you've kept it to yourself, so people haven't had a chance to razz you for not having seen it, which is too bad. But uh, have people, at least in the way they've talked about it, has this movie been really hyped for you? Like, just through the culture at large, has it been built up in your mind? I think it's just like one of those movies that in the culture at large, everyone saw it. 
especially like when they were young. Yeah. I think, I mean, I'm a 90s kid, and I think it was probably, like, on TV a lot, or people watched it. I do think I associate it more as a boy movie. Sure. Adventure, you know, action, all that kind of good stuff. Um, I just think it's, like, one of those things that I just never got around to, and by the time I was like, oh, do I want to see these movies? It was a little late for everyone had already seen them. Right. Did you bring it up and people didn't want to watch it again? Or? No, I never brought it up. I, I wasn't, like, I, we were watching art house movies by that time, you know? Like, by the time it was like, oh, I haven't seen Indiana Jones, should I get around to that? You know? You had just, to queue up some Lars Van Trier instead. It's true, you yeah. know? Okay. Lars all the way. Oh, fair enough, you know. If it's between uh, Temple of Doom and the White Ribbon, you gotta, you gotta follow your heart, you know? <laughs> you know, if it's got some trauma and torture you know, that is going to last forever. I'll take that any day. Well, we might have that in this film. You don't know. Well, I hope Indiana comes through. Well, he does have a few sequels, so... Unless they're prequels. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Blew my mind. Yeah. So is that a nickname? I have a question. Is his real name, like, John Jones? And he's just called Indiana? Will we find I, out? I don't feel comfortable answering that Oh, my yet. God. Oh, my God. Um... That being said, I want to flip it around on you now and ask, you've done a few of them already, but I want to dig down and see if you have any specific predictions. I mean, what do you think you know about this movie, and do you have any specific things that you're expecting to see? Okay, well, based on what I know from popular culture, I predict that there will be Nazis. Okay. And they will have an evil plan. Sure. I mean, they, they're big on plans. Yeah. And Indiana Jones will have to save the day. Mm -hmm. I believe, I predict there will be... Um, a hat. A hat. And a rolling boulder. A rolling boulder. And potentially a lasso. Potentially a lasso. I believe there's going to be a sidekick of some kind. Perhaps mm. um, a younger student or mentee. Okay. Um, and there will be a love interest. And I think she will have brown hair and glasses, <laughs> which she will have to take off. And that's revealing how, in fact, she was beautiful all along. I mean, she's going to be a librarian type. That's what I'm picturing. But the hot librarian. Interesting. And you think, so given what you said, she'll be someone that he doesn't notice for most of the film until the glasses come off and maybe the hair comes down. Something along those lines. And you get a pretty woman scenario. She saves the day in her own way. Well, I guess a pretty woman scenario would mean she was a prostitute. She's definitely not. She is a librarian. Okay. I'm 100% sure. Okay. <laughs> so we'll put that down as the one you're strongest on. Mm -hmm. Librarian love interest. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Anything else before we get going on this? Um, whenever Harrison Ford is about to tell a joke, he has a twinkle in his eye. A twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Harrison Ford... I feel like, well, I mean... I think he can twinkle with the best of them. Sure. He always struck me as maybe a little more grumpy than that. He doesn't seem like a twinkler to me. He's grumpy most of the time, but so he gets ready. He's letting you know he's about to tell a joke. Right. And I mean, he's an actor. He can he can get whatever across he wants. It's true. It's just a matter on whether or not he chooses he's to. He's a professional. Yeah. He's one of the greats. I actually do think that I love Harrison Ford. Yeah. I mean, me too, but mainly for his appearance. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you'll be satisfied with this movie in that regard as well. Good. All right. Well, then we have your predictions. 
I think it's time that we finally introduce you to Indiana Jones. So, Faith, I just have one last question for you, which is, is there any music that you might have associated with this film? Well, now that you mention it, um, I think that this movie is directed by Steven Spielberg. It is. And that probably means that the music was done by John Williams. Correct. So I believe I may be more familiar with the music than possibly the movie itself. How do you think it goes? Uh, I would not like to venture a melody at this time, but I'll probably be singing it for the next four hours after the movie is finished. Okay, fair enough. I won't make you sing, but when we come back, we'll see if what you had in your head was what you remember. Indiana Jones. And the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sorry, I won't subject you to too much more of that, although I will sing periodically from here on out. All right, I would be offended if you didn't. Oh, good. Well, then we're on the same page. You know, Faith, I really should have asked you this before we watched the movie. I guess it just didn't occur to me. Because Indiana Jones is uh, something that I've seen before, so I didn't think to ask. But what, prior to seeing this, what did you think Indiana Jones did for a living? So I knew that he was an archaeology professor. I think I just had gathered that either from seeing a few minutes of the movie or just in the general cultural consciousness. I mean, I guess I thought he went on adventures. Okay, so more or less what we saw. Yes. All right. I just wanted to make it clear that uh, uh, it lived up to that part of your expectation before we got into it. And that being said, let's get into it. So before we go much further, I'm going to tell you a little bit of background. And all of this research, by the way, was just a quick skim of the wiki page. It's more for... That's how I do all my research also. Academic. The only way you from should Wikipedia. do yeah. research. Yeah. I mean, it's the future. Um, so... The idea behind this movie was that uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg wanted to create a modern version of the action-adventure serials of the 1930s and 40s. Right? I I see. And I think that comes across pretty well. Um, Spielberg wanted to make a Bond movie at the time and was interested in doing that, but Lucas came to him and said that he had a character who was better than James Bond. I see. That he could work with. And I noticed during the film, uh, towards the end, when we get to the secret Nazi sub-base, you actually noticed, I think you said this looks like a Bond villain's base? Yeah, it was a little bit like the volcano under the ocean. Right, yeah. It, it definitely, once you pointed it out, it came across to me very strongly. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, the fact that you caught that, and I'd only just pulled this off of Wikipedia earlier today. Um, Spielberg recommended Harrison Ford for the part, and at first George Lucas resisted the idea because uh, he'd worked with Harrison Ford previously on Star Wars. Indeed. And he said he didn't want his relationship with Harrison Ford to turn into a Scorsese-De Niro type deal where 
uh, Harrison Ford was that guy I put in my movies all the time. You know, he just, he didn't want to get, I guess typecast is not the right term, but he didn't want to be constantly associated with the same person. Had they had a difficult working relationship on Star Wars? Maybe he just didn't like him. Could be, but I mean, they went with him ultimately. Uh, I think, you know, I think it's kind of a silly, I, I understand where he's coming from, but it's not that bad. I mean, Scorsese's fine. You know, I guess now he's doing the same thing with Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Yeah. Even Spielberg does that. He's been working with uh, Tom Hanks all the time. Spielberg likes his guys. Yeah. Mark Rylance has been in like his last four movies, I mm-hmm. think. Sir Mark Rylance, you mean now. Oh, but pardon me. Yes. Sir Mark Rylance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, totally earned. Absolutely. Horrific. He is great. Uh, but anyway, they tried out a couple of other actors, including, and I thought this was interesting, Tom Selleck. Ah, well, I, could, I guess I could see Indy with a mustache, possibly. I definitely see him, like, basically I'm imagining Magnum P.I. Uh, was Tom Selleck, like, a similar age to Harrison Ford at the time? Because we were talking about Harrison Ford's age a little bit. And I guess I picture him kind of as, like, permanently 50. Maybe yeah. it's the mustache. I don't know if they're the same age. I do feel like they have a similar look. I think Tom Selleck would have done a good job, but he's a little wiry. Maybe the build wouldn't have been quite right. Like Harrison Ford has kind of the perfect physique for being your everyman action hero who's smart but also tough. True, true. And also, you know, you mentioned that you thought Harrison Ford smolders. He does bring an intensity that Tom Selleck, I mean, not that he's incapable of being serious, but I, I just, you know, I feel like he would have brought a more easygoing vibe to the role. Yeah, he maybe would have wanted more jokes. There were not as many uh, quips from Harrison Ford as I expected. Not a lot of quips, but there was humor. There was humor in the film. I don't know if a lot of it was brought by Indy himself. True. Well, we'll get to that. Um the next thing I was going to do is kind of walk us through some of the actors and, you know, we'll talk a little bit about how you thought they did in the movie. So first up, we've got the man himself, Harrison Ford. How do you feel he did? I thought he did an excellent job. I think he is very good looking in this period of his career. He sure is. Um, he can deliver a slightly cheesy line. Oh, yeah. With, you know, Panache. A, a straight face. Yeah, um, I think he did the action scenes incredibly well, both sure. like the way the action was directed, but also the way he just carried it off. He did a good job. I don't know, considering Harrison Ford is someone who has a, a, like a large amount of sex appeal and um, is has a lot of chemistry with his co-stars in many other films, I don't know if there was a lot of romantic appeal in this particular movie but I kind of feel like that was intentional they they kind of were making Indy a little sexless in in the sense that yeah he tends to be more focused on the mission than the relationship I mean I'm kind of comparing him with the James Bond idea right James Bond is all about the sex right all about like the the hard drinking like doing all that stuff Indy's a little bit of a clean cut guy he like has upstanding like morals despite being a little bit of a scumbag to his girlfriend sure and also James Bond is actively trying to seduce the woman that he's with during the mission, whereas Indy, it seemed like he didn't want to be distracted by that. He keeps his eye on the prize. Yeah, very much so. Uh, when they're on the boat and Marion is trying to uh, 
you know, clean him up and fix his wounds and maybe uh, seduce him a little bit. He does respond to it, but he also falls asleep and doesn't sleep with her, uh, at least not... In, not that imme- we saw. Not immediately in that moment, right. Whereas if you imagine James Bond, there would have been no question he's going for it. There would have been a soft focus fade out. Yeah, totally. You know, maybe like some, some light music mm-hmm. playing over a pan to the left. James Bond can get it on even if he's been shot twice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There's no stopping that guy. Um, well, you know, since we're talking about the romance, let's talk about Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood. Yeah, let's get into it. So, not a librarian. Not exactly, no. Uh, but, you know, still a fun character. Yes. She was a brunette. You were right on that regard. She, she did was, not wear glasses, She, she was smart. She was smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I felt as in the very first scene that they showed her and, like, she's, like, kind of your classic spunky 1930s girl, like, independent, can, like, handle her drink, do what she wants. Mm-hmm. No kind, one... of, kind of that um, uh, Amelia Earhart, like... Right, no one can tie her down. Right. But then, you know, it was very clear from the first scene that she is in this trope of... Um, action uh, adventure movie heroines co-stars romantic interests that she is feisty and bold but weak yes she can't really do it on her own when the shit hits the fan yes totally she's very spunky she's got a lot of spirit but when push comes to shove she needs indy to save her she does need rescuing quite often yes many many times and doesn't always get it no, in fact, their relationship was, I don't know if we would use the phrase problematic, but, you know, he wasn't that nice to her in the past and in this movie. It's true. Uh, I never really paid it that much attention to those lines when I'd seen it previously, but when they first meet, she talks about how uh, she was a lot younger than him when they first got together. And oh, don't like, worry. I wrote it down. <laughs> I believe she said, I was a child. And then he said, you knew what you were doing. Yeah. And I had some questions about that backstory. Uh, as you rightly should. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. But I mean, they seem to make up and and be on slightly more equal footing in later parts of the movie, despite her not being very good at saving herself. Yeah. I mean, she's. I, I think she's a cool character. I, I do recognize that she does need saving an awful lot. But, you know, I'm viewing this a little bit through the lens of the era that this film was made. And I think for that time, she's probably better than what a lot of female roles would have been. Or am I uh, just looking through, looking at it through rose-colored glasses? Well, I mean, I think that, like, movies in this time and, like, this movie in particular established a lot of tropes in this genre that are still present today. Which is, like, you can't have the woman who's, like, completely helpless. Right. She's got to have some personality. She's got to be someone that women watching the movie are wanting to root for as well. Right. But we can't have her showing up our hero. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Especially not when he's Harrison Ford. Well, I mean, how could you show up Harrison Ford? I mean, I wouldn't want to. Don't even try. Um, so the next up, I got Paul Freeman as Belloc, who you did not appear to buy as French. No, he didn't seem particularly French to me, particularly this first scene when they're like, oh, he's French, and I was trying to hear the accent. It sounded a bit British to me. Hmm. Well, fair enough. Did you think he was a good villain? I did think he was a good villain. I thought he was an excellent actor. 
Um, he looked French. Sure. Um, and he, you know, certainly acted in in ways that were very European and sneaky. So that stereotype was working for me. Yeah, and he had a kind of a creep vibe with Marion. That's it's pretty true. European. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I thought he... He was a little bit of an understated villain. I thought it was interesting they didn't make the prime villain like a super evil Nazi, like the evil Nazi guy um, from the beginning of the movie who kind of appears later is a bit of a side character. He's not yeah, that's true. But like let, an SS officer or whatever. Let, let's talk about him, though, because I actually tend to forget about Belloc when I'm remembering this movie. Uh, and it's interesting that he is more the main villain, but he doesn't stand out very well, I think, compared to the Nazi secondary villain, who is uh, Ronald Lacey, playing Major Tote, Major Tot. Uh, I, I tend to remember him as the hand Nazi, or yes. you know, the guy who burns his hand. Well, he's the... clearly evil in a Nazi way. Oh my god, so evil. Well, as I think they were like, the French guy is definitely not a Nazi, he's just Indiana Jones's rival. Like, they've crossed has, paths before. He has no moral compass. Right. He's not evil. He's up for sale. He's just immoral. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, the Nazi guy, too, he he has this look about him. He looks weird and evil. Like a Nazi, pretty much. Very much so, yeah. Also kind of like a fish, I think. Yeah, he is, he is strange looking. Yeah. And it's funny, did it, does he do anything else, this actor? I can't remember him from anything else. I have no idea. Hmm. Well, he's got a cool look. It's uh, a shame people didn't take more advantage of that in other movies, but whatever. And then lastly, I have uh, John Rhys Davies as Sala. Oh, he was great. Yeah. I loved him. His his voice was... Indie! Exactly. It was immediately, I was like, this guy was trained from the age of 10 to, like, be on the Shakespearean stage. He was, Bring me those dates, Indie! He was fantastic. Bad dates, Indy. I mean, and also, while, of course, I think we can acknowledge the racially problematic depictions of any person who is not European, his um, representation of an Egyptian character was not overly offensive. His wasn't. Um, you know, I probably should have looked it up. Is he playing an Egyptian or is he playing an expat? I think he's Egyptian. Huh, pretty okay. sure. I mean, his name is Salah, yeah. which is... Uh, suggestive um, and yeah a lot of I mean certainly everyone besides Sala there's a thick veil of orientalism over all the extras during the Cairo scenes yeah it's not comfortable but I guess it could have been worse I think it could have been a lot worse I feel like I actually wonder if it would have been worse today because I think when that movie was made there was maybe a little less cultural hostility towards it's, the Middle East it's true it's a different idea of what foreignness represents in that part of the world, which is exotic as opposed to dangerous. Yeah, and, you know, in Indiana Jones, it's maybe, like, it's a little dismissive and condescending, but they're not depicted as being, like, bad. Right, it's like, oh, they're they're children, they don't know any better, as opposed to barbaric and evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, which is better, really? (laughs) I don't know. Um, But... You know, it, it was something that I saw and I noticed, um, but I don't know. I, I, I think it could have easily been a lot worse. So, hey, that's something. Um, Indeed. So let's get into the plot, things that stood out, and let's also take a quick look at your predictions and how those panned out. So we already went over uh, quips, funniness, good jokes. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say on the quips and the funniness in general, the script I thought was okay, but not amazing. How do you mean? Well, I don't know. It wasn't as snappy as I was kind of expecting in the sense of like the humor. Like the story, which I saw in the opening credits story by George Lucas, mm-hmm. um, I would say is very good, you know. A minus oh, yeah. A. But I thought the, the script was more like a B minus in the sense of it kind of just serviced the plot. I didn't really feel that there were some good lines, especially by the French guy, but I didn't necessarily think Indiana Jones had a lot of great stuff to say. I didn't think the romantic lead, female Marian. leads, Marion's lines were great. So yeah, again, the script, just okay for me. See, that's interesting. There are a lot of lines that I remember from this film, but I wonder how much of it is a consequence of having seen and loved it as a kid and having it constantly reinforced and also just hearing them repeated in the culture at large. So a few of the lines that I remember from this movie would be like, uh, snakes, why did it have to be snakes? Uh, I always remember Marion being like, I'm your goddamn partner, or however she puts it. Mm-hmm. Um I remember that being like a cool moment and hmm. there were I mean there were some okay individual lines but I guess when I'm looking listening to a script and like seeing if it works for me and is if it really you know is enhancing the story for me it's like the overall dialogue as opposed to just like one off liners but maybe that's too much to expect from a blockbuster film maybe um you know it's it's interesting and uh, I find it interesting that um, that's your response, given that you're watching it as an adult as opposed to watching it as a kid. Yeah, maybe as a kid it would be different. I mean, I was comparing it to other elements of the movie that I thought worked really well. I mean, I, I would give the action and the direction, I would say that's excellent. I would give that an A. Totally. It was very, very good, and I could recognize that. As a person who action and adventure movies are not my favorite genre. Like, I hmm. rarely watch a superhero nowadays because I just get bored. And I was never bored during this movie. I had a oh, good time. So you liked the action, then? I thought the action was excellent. I really liked the first part of the Egypt um, story. The chase through the market? The chase through the market, the stuff with Salah. Yeah, the all that stuff was great. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is iconic, especially um, there's that one moment... Uh, where he Indiana Jones is attacked by the Swordmaster, and the guy's doing all his moves, and he just pulls his gun out and shoots him. Yeah, that was funny. You know, cutting that Gordian knot, easy peasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's it's. I find that a very funny, cool moment, and I think it speaks a lot to uh, the kind of guy Indiana Jones is. Um, and along those lines, did you find that he worked much with ropes or a lasso? <laughs> Well, I mean, I was in the right area. You, you got to definitely... give me a little bit of credit. I mean, I think if I had had time to think about it, I would have remembered that it was a whip. Yeah. I did know that Indiana Jones used a whip. I had just forgotten. You definitely had the right genre of object. So I, I think you can count that as a win. Yes. Or as an accurate... Uh... There wasn't as much, like, hat action as I expected, though. Like, he always wore a hat, but he didn't really do anything with his hat. Like, he didn't use it to, like, distract anyone or, like throw it to like knock something off i don't know he could have done more with the hat so you thought he would be a little bit more of an odd job kind of guy throwing his hat (laughs) i don't know i just thought he could have thrown his hat once maybe all right well maybe he does in one of the sequels yeah maybe um did he have a sidekick sort of 
Sort of, yeah. I was surprised to see Alfred Molina die so early, but maybe he wasn't famous at that time. Oh, yeah. I don't think Alfred Molina was as famous. Yeah. I mean, I guess Salo was a sidekick, but he didn't... I guess he just needed the girl. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's like she says, she's his partner. She's the, the love interest and the sidekick. It's true. I mean, she was equal when she was present, although there were large portions of the film in which she was tied up or for some other reason indisposed to help him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a pretty independent, lone acting guy. He doesn't really need a lot of help. I mean, there are people who step in from time to time at, at lucky moments, but he kind of can do it all. He really can. You would think that, given that, maybe the filmmakers would choose not to saddle him with a potentially annoying sidekick. Yeah. I mean, I was very impressed with the parts of the action scenes where he was kind of doing two things at once. For example, towards the end of the film when he was fighting... Uh, the really strong guy, and then there was the, the other 1930s guy. boxer, right? Well, and then it was on the plane. There was like one guy who's like shooting at him, so he's like having to dodge bullets, but at the same time, he's like having a boxing match. So he's like good at doing two things at once. Yeah, at and least I, that is a pretty consistent thing with Indiana Jones, I think, which is that he keeps finding himself in these sticky situations where Indeed. if any one thing was going on, maybe he can handle it, but there's just too much. Too much. He's got to like drive and shoot people and yeah he's, he's got to drive and fight a truckload of nazi soldiers it's it's a lot for one guy to take on but you know what dave i think that is what he signed up for it's true he knew what he was getting into he was looking for the ark of the covenant for god's sake i mean you can't expect that to be easy no one ever said it was going to be easy no uh lastly i do want to establish whether or not you thought this was accurate did you feel as though Harrison Ford always had a twinkle in his eye before telling a joke? Well, since he didn't really tell many jokes, uh, I didn't see much of a twinkle at all. Yeah, that was I'm sorry shame. to say. I wish I had. Oh, well. He was a bit glowery, but, you know, that's one of the reasons we love him. I mean, I would say about a question about Harrison Ford, like, does he have permanent two-day stubble? Like, does yes. he ever actually shave? As Indiana Jones... He is always, always going to be rocking that stubble. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he has to do anything. It just it never grows into a beard, is what I'm saying. Nor should it. Mm. It is so hot. It's pretty sexy. I mean, it's what I aspire to every single day. I'm constantly just, like, shaving and letting it go, being like, I need to hit that Indiana Jones level. Yeah. I mean, he he was very attractive throughout the movie, he was more attractive when he took off his hat, which I know is his signature. But there was that one scene where they were tied up uh, when they were in the Bond cave and like the wind was flowing through his hair and God was getting all mad and mm -hmm. he looked pretty good there. Yeah, I would agree with that. The hat is iconic, but I think he's more attractive when it's really just him, that stubble and that leather jacket just like standing there looking all tough. I couldn't agree more, Dave. Looking all cool, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the plot of this movie. So some of the iconic stuff from the beginning you predicted, there was the boulder. Oh, yes, the boulder. Yeah, it was yeah. much shorter than I expected. It was, I wrote down here, short but sweet. Sure. And it felt like a ride, but in the sense of like, it invented this type of thing that would later on be turned into amusement park rides. Exactly, yeah. It felt like, oh, I've seen this before, but that's because this was invented by right, this right here. scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, did you recognize the idol or the scene with the idol, particularly his um, replacing the idol with the sandbag 
Did that stand out to you as something that you may be seeing before? Uh, I guess it's a little Mission Impossible-y. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, not but not particularly beyond that. Okay. Um, I feel like, you know, if you're seeing clips from the movie and they want you to recognize what movie it is quickly, they'll cut to a few different parts. Definitely the boulder, but then also that shot of him doing the idol, and then maybe also the guy's face melting off. I mean, it's hard to know sometimes when things are in the cultural, um, broader culture, what you know or what you've just kind of absorbed. Right, right. Um, And the music. So I noticed this time through, as iconic and interesting as the music is, and it is, I kept noticing a few points where there were striking similarities between the themes of Indiana Jones and a few other John Williams joints, but I don't know if you've seen them. So I know you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back. No. But uh, the Harris, the Indiana Jones Marion love theme has some similarities with the Han Solo Leia love theme. And then also one of the action scenes on the on the truck when he's taking over the truck with the arc on it. I know that music. That music was very good, actually. It was probably my favorite music in the film. It was really good. I thought it sounded a little similar to Superman. Well, I think that's the point of it being a John Williams score. That's why you can recognize a John Williams score from, like, 50 feet away. Yeah. Yeah. And they're always awesome, so... No shade on John. They're Williams. good. I mean, but again, Spielberg has become a little bit of a cliche of himself that he uses music to try to make an emotion, make you feel an emotion a little bit too hard. It's it's become more associated with like being too sentimental. So I think in an action adventure movie, it's okay to have music to be like, now you're excited, but in a in a, in a stately drama, maybe it would be too much. Yeah. Yeah, too overbearing. I can see that. I mean, I did... I don't... It's hard to say when something is, like, so familiar, such as the Indiana Jones theme, what our perceptions, when we actually see it in context, are versus just because we know it so well. Because I felt like the famous theme... da 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 da, da Is, like... Oh, come on. You can do it better than <laughs> that. da 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 yeah. I thought it came back maybe a little bit too often, but more than that, some of the parts in which it was put into the movie, it seemed a little off. Like, it was like, oh, why is it there? But it could just because it's so familiar. John Williams didn't intend it to be how as iconic as it was. We just are seeing it now. We're like, oh, I know that part. Why is it here? I agree with you in that it didn't always pop up in the parts that I expected it to or felt like were the best parts for it. I'm thinking in particular it played when he's pushing the um, statue over to escape from the... They're trapped down in the uh, bottom of that uh, ruin. Right, because at the same time, if it, it is clearly meant to be his theme because it comes back the most often. So in that sense, it's like well, either it plays every time he does something really amazing which that is yeah but there are a couple other times where it comes in where it yeah it just seems random yeah it felt to me as though the visuals didn't quite match the rip roaringness of the music in that moment and maybe one or two others so i see what you were saying i guess what we're saying is that this music editor i don't know yeah they should they should lose their job absolutely and their life 
Um, you mentioned earlier in the movie that you were briefly uh, confused as to what era the movie was taking place. I was extremely confused. I mean, in the sense of I had no idea that it took place in the 30s. When did you think it took place? I think maybe I thought the 70s? I don't know. So, But you thought there were going to be Nazis. So I did, yeah. So I thought there were going to be Nazis, but I think in my head, I thought that they were those like leftover Nazis who fled to South America in the 60s. And so I knew he was like looking for treasure. So I thought he's going to be in the South American jungle. And then there are Nazis there trying to bring Hitler back to power. Sure. That would have been really cool, actually. I mean, maybe they can still do it. Sure. I mean, so the first time that I realized that it probably was earlier than I thought was when he was in the classroom with all those cuties, like, yeah, they drooling him. over him. Yes, they sure did. I mean, wouldn't who, you? who wouldn't? Yeah. So I saw all the students get up and the female students were dressed in a more earlier 20th century style. And I said, what? decade is this like i was like it's the 50s and then you were you told me it was the 30s and i was like i did not expect i did not expect the nazis in this film to be the nazis ah yeah you thought that we would be dealing with nazis but just a bunch of nazis not the nazis right because nazis can be evil in any era sure but here is where they you know we're really making their mark on the world yeah these are og nazis mm -hmm. yeah um uh, one thing I noticed from that section, too, is that the U.S. Army guys refer to him as an obtainer of rare antiquities, which, um, you know, given what he does and how he goes about it, it's a very polite way of saying grave robber, essentially. Indeed. I mean, really, what he does wouldn't be acceptable from a modern perspective in that he's going and stealing shit no, from it other was, cultures. It was uh, popular at the time. That was a way you got stuff for your museums. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, if you go to the British Museum in London, it's basically just like the British went on vacation and they brought back some very hefty souvenirs. Yeah, real nice ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, that's how Solomon made his living, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh... <laughs> oh, Indy. Uh, so moving forward in the movie, we meet Marion. She's doing a drinking contest. Did that ring any bells? The Marion... Uh, no, shot not at contest. all. Not at all. Have you ever done a shot contest? I don't recall. Which could that could be, be a yes? It could be a yes. Yeah. Um, don't care for shots anymore. In fact, I probably never really did. Mm, but you were more open to them when you were younger. Uh, I guess I was more open to being pressured into taking them. I see. I see. Um, if we were to do a shot contest now, how many rounds do you think you could go before you fall over like the big guy in the movie? Well, the thing is, if you're doing them really quickly, you can do quite a few before they really hit you, and then right? You get, then you wind up in the emergency. Exactly. Room. But yeah, you could if you go fast. If you go fast, I think you sh if you do a shot contest, it should be part of the contest that you got to wait like five minutes. Yeah. It, it's less dramatic for the people watching and betting on you but it's more accurate it's more accurate because like if we did shots right now i could probably do i mean without if unless i just start puking i could probably do eight or ten shots before i like fall over right just knocking them back just knocking them back can. yeah if we're doing back and forth that's basically exactly how i felt for myself i was like i bet i could get eight eight in me before i start to really uh show You're some like, uh -oh. negative signs uh oh <laughs> yeah um I pr long story short, I probably could not defeat Marion in a No, she'd contest. done like 15 or 20. Is that how? Well, she had all those ones next to her. 
That's true. I, I never got a good count on But we don't know what they were that. shots of. It could have been some, like, you know, local hooch. Maybe. They do a lot of rice beer up there in the Himalayas. Oh, is that less... I got, I got some local knowledge. Less proof? Yeah, it's like, you know, soju or something. Oh, interesting. Um, so, we wind up in colonial Cairo, which Sala describes as paradise on earth, indeed. It sure was. You know, colonial Britain really knew how to spruce a place up. How to run a joint. Mm-hmm. Make it real nice. Yeah, just like clean that. Just come in there and show the locals how to run things right. How to make a good gin and tonic. How to make it a paradise. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly seemed very nice. It seemed lovely. Yeah. I was really into that... Um, Set. I don't know if it was like where Indy was staying when he went and consulted that guy who interpreted the medallion. Yeah. That was a that was a cool little. Oh yeah, like kind of Moroccan vibe. Sure, like kind of like a yeah, a Moroccan bazaar exactly. sort of like hidden away spot. You probably yeah. find. I just watched uh, Hellraiser recently. It's probably a spot where you'd find that puzzle box. Yeah, I mean, I would have rented that Airbnb. Is all I'm saying. Oh, it would have been a great Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I, okay, if there was a Westworld-style recreation of 1930s Cairo, would you want to go check it out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would mainly be interested in the shopping. Hmm. But... Um, in which case, you might as well go to the real Cairo. It's it's true. Yeah. Probably cheaper there, too, because Westworld is expensive. Yeah, I can't afford that shit. No, hardly anyone can. And that's the point that Westworld is just a playground for the super rich. We're getting off topic. So we get our friend the monkey. And one thing I'd forgot, one thing I always remembered about the monkey was that it dies from eating the poison grapes. Mm -hmm. And when I'd seen it as a kid, I didn't really understand everything that was happening. So I just remember that the cute monkey dies and I was very sad. You forgot that he deserved it. Right. I had forgotten that the monkey's a snitch. He's a narc. He works for the Nazis. Yeah, and I think it's really hilarious that the monkey runs to his owner and then tells the owner what Indian Marion are up to. It's like, those guys you want me to watch, they're over there. Yeah, the monkey runs up, it chitters at the guy, and then the Nazis come and the guy's like, the monkey told me they're headed that way. I mean, Nazis had all sorts of ways of getting information in the 30s, so I would not be surprised if they had used a monkey at some point. That might be based on a real anecdote. It wouldn't surprise me, but it would make me sad because is there nothing that they wouldn't stoop to? Oh no, it's just a monkey, man. Like, let it And it chill. paid the ultimate price. It did. The poor thing. It didn't really have a choice. Oh, see, now I'm sad. <laughs> now I'm sad again. Hmm. Yeah. Um, a little bit after this, we get another iconic moment. I was wondering if you recognized, which is when Indy does the staff in the light. And it reveals where the Ark is hidden. Did any of that scene, uh, did you recognize any of that I mean, scene? I didn't recognize any of that in relation to Indiana Jones. I mean, it reminded me of some other movies. So maybe it seemed like a parody or a reference to it. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminded me, I was saying, of the end of the fifth element. I mean, that was a much later movie, but it has a similar kind of scene at the end where, like, the light has to be in the right place for something to open. And Ah, I don't. Uh, what, all I I remember the beginning and middle of the fifth element. The end. All I remember is that the fifth element is love. Yeah, the end is kind of cheesy. It's quite cheesy, um, but I, I don't remember the placing of anything or any light or stuff like that. Harrison Ford, in my opinion, a much more iconic action adventure hero than Bruce Willis. I can get behind that. 
definitely more charming. Definitely. He can smolder with the best of them. Yeah. I mean, I guess Bruce Willis would come closest in Die Hard. Yeah, I mean, he's good. Bruce Willis is funny, and he's a great actor. I just don't know if he smolders in that classic Hollywood way. I think Harrison Ford's a classic Hollywood actor. And you know what Bruce Willis can't do as well as Harrison Ford? That five o'clock shadow. Absolutely not. No one can. I dare you to find a better five o'clock shadow. Yeah, I think Bruce Willis would look like a thug if he grew his beard out. <laughs> yeah, he can he grow a beard? I don't think I've ever seen him with facial hair. No idea. He certainly Let's can't not grow try. it on his head anymore. Let's not try. Yeah. Well, next time I'm talking to him, I'll remember to avoid that topic. All right. Oh, uh, another thing I liked was um, Marion and Belloc play the drinking game, and it's an amusing flip on your expectations because we've seen Marion do the drinking game. And so we're prepared to expect her to win just from like movie logic. It's like, oh, here we go. She's playing him. Yeah, I thought she was bluffing when she acted really drunk. Right, but the the reveal is pretty hilarious, which is that they're drinking uh, Belloc's family wine or whatever it is. He grew up on that stuff. Yeah. He used to drink it from a bottle. It's such a, it's such a, it's... Well, it's a reverse upon a reverse because the first reversal is that that you're anticipating is that oh, you would never think that a girl could outdrink a boy, but now she's going to do it for the second time. But then they're like, oh, but see, you know, bold but weak. That's true. She overplayed her hand yeah. for the tenth time. Well, there's no shame in losing a drinking contest to Belloc. He'd beat both of us. True. I bet he could do more than eight shots. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's his family liquor. Oh yeah. Well, that that's just water to him. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I mentioned before, but I really like the uh, the 1930s boxer Nazi. He was he was solid. He, he he adopts the like the put up your Duke stance. You know, I cut, you could put him in a leopard print unitard and have him on one of those different sized wheels bicycles, and it would totally work. That's his fighting style. Yeah, he just he looked great, and so you know, then we get uh, we get more fighting. We get the truck fight. We get. I- I thought that the um, the scene, the truck scene, was one of the highlights of the of the action yeah. in the whole movie. Yeah, that was really good. And I don't usually stay engaged with action because it, whatever for whatever reason, it seems very robotic to, in a lot of movies nowadays. But I I enjoyed that one. So this particular action scene was compelling to you because. I'm trying to like I'm trying to reverse engineer from not liking how a modern one is robotic to what about this one you like. So it's sort of like more human, I guess. Is Honestly, I think it's all in the direction. I think they're just it's just like very cleverly directed. The cuts make sense. You're following kind of a story of sure. the action. Yeah. So yeah, I think. I mean, it's still fighting, but I think it's all in how it's directed. Somehow, it keeps my attention. And I mean, there's weight behind it. So, you know, indie, there's no CG, so it's not just pixels bouncing off each other. And yeah. Indiana Jones gets hurt, you know? He gets tired, he gets his butt kicked. He's reliably got one guy per movie beats the crap out of him, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the the boxer in this, and you've got, I mean, and they're, they're equivalent dudes in the other films who knock him around plenty. So he's not invincible, and that definitely gives you stakes to the fights. Yeah. And then, of course, we have our adventure in the sub. They never show Indiana Jones going into the submarine. No, but, I, you know, he just knows how those things work. He's good at everything. It's true. 
I, I mean, I guess we can maybe just hope that it didn't dive. I mean, they were giving a lot of instructions in German, so I'm not exactly sure what it was saying. But, I mean, I kind of liked that, that there was it was authentic. They were just like, oh, we're just doing our regular thing. Yeah. And, you know, totally. Indiana Jones can work around it. Yeah. And then, finally, we get through our Bond villain sub-base, and then we're here approaching the end. At first, he gets the drop on them. He has a chance to destroy the Ark. Can't bring himself to do it. It's true. I mean... Could you have pulled that trigger? I mean, I don't know. I was a little confused at the beginning of what really Indiana Jones cares about because he kept referencing, like, the museum. I'm like, what is he in it for? Is he in it for the money that he's going to get for this treasure? Or does he really care about the treasure itself? And it seems like by the end that, yeah. I mean, I think it's partly he loves the thrill of discovery, but the end product also means something to him. Sure. He loves the... He loves rescuing items that otherwise would be lost to time, but he also loves the adventure. Right. I think it's even more, yeah, like if he had blown that up, that would have mean meant that he failed in his quest right. more than losing something that is priceless and important. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little, a little sketchy that he was willing to allow the Nazis to get their hands on such a powerful artifact. Yeah, but then, you know, when is it, like, the mid-30s? He didn't exactly know what was gonna happen. You know, fascism can creep up on you. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, it's funny that uh, this movie is rooted in Hitler's real-life obsession with occult objects. He actually was very, uh... At least if uh, commercials I saw on the History Channel are to be believed. Oh, those are 100% accurate. Hitler and the occult. Oh, it's, you know, he couldn't get enough. Yeah, I I think what I remember is that he's constantly searching for the Spear of Longinus. I believe you. (laughs) I mean, one thing I kind of liked was, even though the Nazis were ridiculous, they were kind of ridiculous in an accurate way. You know, their sense of pageantry... Their on-point uniforms. They were a big fan of their uniforms. Their uniforms were excellent. They had banners everywhere, but the actual Nazis did too. They were really into not just like order and strictness and cruelty, obviously, but like they were really into branding. Yes, totally. Yeah, and it was funny too how well the Nazi parade up the mountainside... That is how that would have gone in real life had they found the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, and it also kind of fit with the way it would have looked biblically, you know, Mar- marching with those uh, with those poles and you know the emblems on the top and yeah. all that stuff, and you know b- this whole ritualistic bringing it to the top of the mountain to open it. It it looked both modern for the nineteen thirties and biblical at the same time. It's a cool trick. Agree. Uh, so we get to the end. And they opened the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, and yes, they did. They did do that. Would Big you, mistake. It, it most certainly was. <laughs> did you know what was going to happen? I had no idea. Really? So all the face melting, that came out of nowhere for you? I mean, I didn't know that ghosts were going to come out. Um, I guess I thought I I could have predicted that people were going to like burst into flames based on you know what happened in the Bible. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I didn't really know... I knew it wasn't going to end well, but I didn't really remember the face melting. I guess it seemed a little bit familiar when that guy's head exploded or the the evil Nazi's face came off. Yeah, 
Yes and no. It, it seems sort of familiar, but I didn't really predict it. The the Nazi's face melting off, I think, is something that gets copied a lot. So I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you'd seen something like it before. Yeah, I mean, it's very well done. All the special effects, like real special effects as opposed to computer stuff, it looked great. It, yeah. it was a little bit cheesy, some of the spirits flying around and, yeah, and going yeah. up, but it, it wasn't it wasn't too heavy-handed. It didn't seem more dated than just the fact was it was made in the 80s. Um, and there was so many good special effects done around it that, yeah, it didn't take me out of it. Cool, cool. Well, glad you enjoyed that part because it's one of the best parts. <laughs> we get to our end and we get the final shot of... Uh, the Ark being consigned to the care of top men. And it's uh, nailed up in a big box and put away in a big warehouse. Anything familiar there? Any kind of visual reference that you recognized? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say so. Okay. Okay. Well, that then is the end of the movie. And before we get into your specific reaction to the film i'm going to hit you up with a few professional reactions to the film sure i pulled off of wikipedia let me guess people liked it well let's find out number one box office so the movie actually opened at number 14 it wasn't number one at the box office when it opened interesting yeah i think that's interesting too but you know it's the first one so like nowadays you say oh an indiana jones movie's coming out it's huge but that didn't mean anything yet so had Steven Spielberg had other hits apart from Jaws before this movie? Oh, geez. Um, he wasn't like the Steven Spielberg we know today. I know that. He was a young guy. It's 81, so it's only a few years after Jaws, which I think was like 75, 77, something like that. Um, right. We all knew like, Lucas was like the biggest thing on the planet, but I don't think Spielberg was. Yeah, so we're, yeah, we're still pretty early in Spielberg's career, so even though he'd have done Jaws, I don't know if he would have necessarily been the hugest draw. Yeah. So. Harrison Ford, though, he was a pretty big star at the time. Oh, sure. I mean, he'd, he'd been Han Solo anyway yeah. by that point. Um, ultimately, of course, the film was a gigantic hit. It was the number one film that year by A Country Mile. And uh, adjusting for inflation remains one of the top 25 movies of all time. Goodness. Yeah, so pretty successful. It was nominated for nine Oscars, including Best Picture, and it won four for Sound film editing, visual effects, and art direction, specifically for the sets, which I think is a pretty accurate... Uh, yeah, no arguments there. That All that stuff was great. Yeah, it's a good award. Those sets are freaking fantastic. So for professional reviews, on the good side, we have Roger Ebert, who had this to say about the film. Two things, however, make Raiders of the Lost Ark more than just a technological triumph. Its sense of humor and the droll style of its characters. We find ourselves laughing in surprise, in relief, in incredulity at the movie's ability to pile one incident upon another in an inexhaustible series of inventions. Seems pretty pretty yeah, accurate. Seems like he liked it. Yeah, it sure does. And he also later added it to his list of quote-unquote great movies, which uh, I would agree with. On the flip side... We have Pauline Kael. Oh, what did she have to say? Well, nothing good, unfortunately. She said the movie was a machine-tooled adventure from a pair of creators who think just like the marketing division. If 
Fun fact, Pauline Kael only liked one movie in her entire career, and that was Bonnie and Clyde. She never liked another movie. Huh. <laughs> that is a fact I made up. Oh, I see. I would have believed it. She was pretty harsh. Yeah, she was a, 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 a lot of tough love coming from Pauline Kael. Um, uh, that, that being said, I mean, that's just, you know, I, I'm not an expert or anything like that, but I feel like that's just kind of Pauline Kael's way. Lucas took it personally, though, and later named a villain from his 1988 fantasy film Willow after Pauline Kael. Come on, George. Just, like, let it go, man. You got billions of dollars. So juvenile. I agree. But anyway, that's what the uh, professional critics had to say. But what do you have to say, Faith? What did you think of Raiders of the Lost Ark? So, I would say Raiders of the Lost Ark met any expectations that I could have had not having seen it. In that it was a fun, well-done, rollicking romp of a movie. Sure. Um, but I don't know if it's exactly the movie for me. Like, it's a great movie, family fun, classic. But it's, you know, not what I would just, you know, sit down on a Saturday evening, put in and expect to be moved by. Not what i go to the cinema for, but it is incredibly well done Hmm. do you think you would have liked it more if you'd seen it at a younger age possibly but i don't know if that has ever been my favorite genre i think it is about as good as you can do that type of movie but maybe the reason that i hadn't seen raiders or other films that are similar is that's just not the type of movie that i go for sure okay did hype impact your reaction to this film at all I was definitely not disappointed at all. I thought it was, you know, when I say it's as good as I expected, like I expected it to be really well done and very good, and it was. Right. I think it's an excellent movie and deserves all the acclaim that it's received. I don't think it's over or underrated. I think it is properly rated right. in the film canon. Yeah. Not overrated, not underrated, rated. Exactly. Yeah. And, okay, right on. I see that. Well... That brings us to our last question, which we may have some kind of indication of, but let's get it on the record. Faith, better late or never? And when I say this, I mean better late as in you feel like your life is improved by having seen this film, or never as in if you'd gone through the rest of your life never having seen this movie, that would have been just fine. Oof, that is that is a toughie. This is... I'm endeavoring to you're make putting, it You're putting harder. me on the spot right now. Yeah. Is my, move, is my life better for having seen Indiana Jones, or could I have gone the rest of my life without seeing it? I'm going to have to say it's a fantastic movie, and I'm really happy it exists, but I think I could have gone the rest of my life never having seen it. Whoa! I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Faith, I'm going to tell you, you are our first ever never. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And for Raiders of the Lost Ark, well done for taking a strong stand. I mean, I acknowledge it's excellent. I just don't know if watching it changed my opinion of it. I already thought it was probably good, and now I think it is good. 
okay, yeah. And I, 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 not only that, but it seems that part of your response to the film is based around your personal taste. So that you know, is true, and I totally acknowledge that. I think that that is an important thing to recognize about movies is that people like different stuff and that's okay and sure. you can you can acknowledge that there are great movies that aren't for you absolutely so yeah you know you basically what you're saying is you recognize that the movie's very good but it's not your style of movie exactly and i'm gonna say i am glad that you did it that way because i f- it's easy to say yeah better late you know i think it's uh it is a ballsier choice to say never and I'm really glad that you did. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad I was your first. <laughs> was it good for you too, Faith? It was pretty excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Well, Faith, thank you for coming on the podcast. I hope you will come back. I would love to. Cool. And with that, thanks for listening. And I hope to catch you next time. Bye. Bye.